Well, Ephesians chapter number six is where we get the armor of God, and we've been in a series on the armor of God. We're going to just real briefly cover um, for background, beginning in verse number 10, the Bible says, finally, my brethren, which obviously he's talking to believers, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And there's so much in this verse right here. Uh, just two things I just briefly want to pull out. Number one is he's talking to believers. So clue number one is that the fight comes to the believer, not the unbeliever. Always remember that. Amen. The unbeliever is right where the enemy wants him. The fight will come to your doorstep once you believe on Jesus. Amen. But how many of you know? That's okay, because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Come on now. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so the fight comes to us, brethren, amen, but what's the promise? I see a promise right here. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, God never tells you to be strong in yourself. He tells you to be strong in him. Huge difference. God never tells you to, to grit it out in your own strength. He tells you to trust it out. In his strength. It's a completely different thing. Amen? Too many people. Too many people are trying to fight battles in their own strength. One of the number one ways you begin to fight a battle in your own strength is trying to figure it out in your own mind instead of releasing it to God in prayer. And what you see here is God is asking us to fight our battles in his strength, not yours. Always remember that. Always remember that. God wants your heart but he wants you to depend on his strength for the battles. Come on now. And then in verse number 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Two things there. You're going to need the armor of God to hang on. And the wiles of the devil are his tricks. I said earlier, that it is your doorstep, my doorstep, where the enemy will come, and he comes a different way every time. One way he's going to come and taunt you this way, another way the other way. The, one of the things that we've got to do is be on guard. One of the greatest verses I believe in the New Testament is be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, right? Your adversary, one of the things that you need to know is God calls us to be sober. That sobriety is talking about alcohol, but it's also a spiritual sobriety. Amen? That we don't allow ourselves to get drunk with the cares of the world. It's really easy to get drunk in the cares of the world to care about bills and care about jobs and care about this and that and all kinds of things, but God calls us to be sober. Amen? from those cares of the world and to be set apart for his purpose. The sobriety of the believer is so essential that when we allow the cares of the world to come upon us, it will remove the strength and the power of God from our lives. In other words, what am I saying? You cannot be strong in God and be full of the world at the same time. We've got to make a decision, don't we? We've got to decide which one we want. Would you rather have the cares of the world or would you rather be strong in God? Say so one time, I, sometimes people come to me, you know, I just don't feel the power of God in my life anymore. I don't have peace in my life anymore. And we're going to get there in just a second. But the, it just not working in my life anymore. I just, I feel, you know, stressed out. The world's just going in a bad place. God never, God never told you to be worried about that. I said, one of the things I, I always ask, I said, how often do you listen to talk radio on the news, right? How often do you watch CNN or Fox News? How often do you listen to those, those newscasters? Because one of the things that you'll find out is the more you get full of that, the less peace you're going to have in your life, the less victory you're going to have in your life. We've got to choose whether we're going to be drunk on the world or full of God. But God calls us to be sober, Amen. So the reason that we're called to be sober is because our adversary, the devil, right? He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we're called to be sober so that we can see his tricks, 
the wiles of the devil. If we're not willing to be sober, we're going to get whooped every time. Amen? So the wiles of the devil here are obviously, it's talking about his tricks and sobriety is the key and essential uh, to, to getting a hold of that. Verse number 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Obviously, we realize that our battle is not against our neighbor. It's against the spirit that is manipulating our neighbor. Come on now. Come on now. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Once you set your eyes on flesh and blood, you have fallen for the wiles of the devil. You have not been sober. You've allowed the world to get you, and you've fallen for the wiles. So we've got to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Everybody say, not against flesh and blood. All right. So the battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is on something far different. There's a battle that's going on, and it is not a fleshly battle. That means it is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual war. We are in battle. In verse number 13, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And this is where we stopped that last time. So one of the things that I want you to see as we look at that verse is that God's truth has got to be what goes before you. Your loins girt is God's word. God's word is truth. Thy word is truth. And it is God's truth that will bring the anointing of God into your life. And it is the anointing of God that breaks yokes. You can't do it. You can't figure your way out of it. It is only by the anointing of God that yokes are broken and chains are destroyed. And if you're not willing to get your loins girt with truth, you're never going to experience the power of God at work in that area. You're going to be bound up, amen? You're going to be bound up and wound up. Verse, verse number 15 is where we're going to go. It says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. One of the things that we want to look at in this passage right here is that God has called us to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There's a couple of things that I want to point out about this passage as we get into it. Number one is that the feet shod, that, that's basically shoed. That's putting shoes on your feet. In other words, it's having protection over your feet. Amen? How many of you know in a battle you want to make sure that you got shoes on? unless you're in some kind of martial arts thing, but you want to make sure that you have shoes on, amen? That's why they call them combat boots, because we want to protect our feet. Well, back in the day, the Roman soldiers, you know, they had these big old shin guard things that went all the way down to the foot, and that's what most teachers say is, is being spoken of here. But a couple of references I want to pull out and just kind of get your mind going. Whenever God called Israel to take the Passover, not the Passover cedar, right? But whenever God called Israel to take the Passover, one of the things that you'll remember is they were called to take it standing up with their shoes on, ready to go, because God's deliverance was coming. With their shoes on, it signified, when you say go, we're going. Amen? When you say go, we're ready to go. And that is spiritually how we're supposed to be with God's peace in our lives. See, it, it, it's very important when you're in a spiritual battle because how many of y'all are in a spiritual battle right now? Everybody is. That's a believer. If you're a believer, you're in a spiritual battle. It's essential if you're in battle to know, number one, where to go. And it's just as important not only to know where to go, but to know when to go. You see, it, it, it's, it's pretty important to know where to go. That's pretty vital. But if you do not combine where to go with when to go, you'll go at the wrong time. Amen? 
you'll go at the wrong time. And timing is everything. And whenever we're talking about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we are looking at following God's peace. Going, listen, where God leads. You see, God leads forth his people in peace, according to Isaiah 55, verse 12. God leads his people forth in peace. One of the, one of the hallmarks for any time God is directing you and leading you somewhere is that God will give you peace in that area. You'll have peace beyond measure. Amen? You'll have peace beyond measure. One of the things that we know is that the, en the enemy imitates God's peace, right? But it's a poor imitation. The enemy's imitation is a fraud. God's peace will well in your soul. Amen? It will well up in your soul. So a couple of things that we want to point out in this. It's essential to know and vitally important to know where and when God is leading us. This is what we're talking about is the, the leading of God, being willing to follow God wherever he leads. A couple of things that I want to point out um, as we go through this is there's two different pieces. There's two different pieces. Do you know that there are two different pieces to have? You can have peace with God, but not the peace of God in your life. You cannot have the peace of God without being at peace with God, but, it, but you've got to have both of them functioning in your life to be able to be led by God. And what do I mean by that? Peace with God is where you are positionally by your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, for, for that, let's, let me show you something in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. What we see over here is a, a promise to the believer. This is upon belief on Jesus. We have peace with God. It says in verse number 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have that's a possession. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stop right there for a second. But how many of you know that there are times in our life that we, our faith may be rock solid on Jesus, amen, for our soul, but we don't know how we're going to feed our kids and we're worried about it and we don't have any peace, amen? So that's where you're looking at peace with God is in relation to your faith. That is, you are no longer an enemy of God. Now you're a child of God. You are at peace with God because you believe on Jesus. Amen? Amen. But it does not mean that you are walking in the peace of God. This is a completely different walk. Too many people have peace with God, but they don't know the peace of God. See, the peace of God is completely different. The peace of God does this in our lives. The peace of God is there with us in every single trial, every single tribulation, every single storm that comes our way. The peace of God calms the storm. Every storm that comes is calmed by God's peace. Amen? And so one of the things that we'll see as, as, as we go through this uh, message tonight is that all of us are operating in one of two. Some of us may be operating in two of two. All of us are operating in one of two. And I want you to know tonight that in order to successfully wear the armor of God in your life, you're going to need to have the peace of God in addition to the peace with God. See, why is it important? Why is it important that you have the peace of God? Because if you don't, you're going to go and do what you want to do when you want to do it. If you are not in a habit of cultivating peace of God in your life, you're going to go exactly where you want to go and do what you want to do. You see, one of the things about it is somebody that has peace with God, they may absent themselves from church one day, right? But if you've got the peace of God, God's peace will bring you to God's people every time they meet. 
So just because you have peace with God doesn't mean you're walking in the peace of God. And when we absent ourselves from the house of God and the people of God, and we make a habit of that, we start setting ourselves up, right? Because if we're not going where God's peace is, we're going somewhere the devil wants us to go. So everybody, we could all just close up church and, and, and go, you know, to the casino right now. But how many of you know we wouldn't have the peace of God as we did? Because God told us to be here. Amen? And so there's a vital difference in having a relational peace with God than walking in the peace of God. So what we're, we're going to develop this a little bit further as we go in this message. And one of the places I want to take you in it is in Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. I'm going to show you two different passages um, in the book of Acts regarding the life of the Apostle Paul, and then we're going to go in a different direction. In chapter number 16, beginning in verse number 6, one of the things that you see is whenever, whenever God is ministering in the book of Acts, you see, I mean, everybody's like, I wish I lived in the book of Acts time, right? When God was just doing everything. Everywhere they went, God was moving. Every, everywhere they went. But how many of you know Paul experienced hardship? We're going to see that later, but he experienced, he experienced abandonment, hunger, he was beaten and left for dead. I mean, all everything that you can imagine, Paul went through, right? But how many of you know he went through it, but he was going through it in the will of God? Amen? Now, we're not going to sit there and say Paul was perfect, but he's an apostle, and he's the apostle to the church. And I want to show you something that, that happens here in verse number 6. Acts 16, verse 6, he says, Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and listen, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And King James, suffer means allow. This, it says the Spirit allowed them not. So they began to go a different direction. And if you know the rest of the Acts chapter 16, this is whenever they ended up in jail. Whoa. Wait a second. The Spirit would not let me go down into this area, so I didn't go. I obeyed God, and by obeying God, I end up in jail. See, we, we, know, we know, you remember whenever they were in jail, it was in that midnight hour that they began to worship God, and those chains and those walls began to rock back and forth, and that earthquake came, Amen. But you remember what happened to that jailer? The jailer, the jailer was ready to die. And they said, don't hurt yourself. We're right here. And he asked, what must I do to be saved? And they said, give some extra money in the offering plate. No. They said, join our church. No. What'd they say? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what that jailer did. That jailer believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saved and baptized and his whole family too. Amen? Amen. So if Paul would have been like us, hard-headed, he said, I, you know what? I just don't feel God, but I'm going to go anyways. That man would not have had his whole family saved. See, we don't know why God tells us no sometimes. We don't know why God leads us in certain directions sometimes. But if we're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and we follow the peace of God, Isaiah 55, 12 says that we are led forth by God's peace. If we are willing to be led by God's peace, sometimes he'll tell us, don't go there. Go over here. So you might say, well, I go home that way every time. Or I always shop at this store. This is where I always shop. Will you not allow God to use you? 
Will you not allow God to change the way you go and change your plans? Because just maybe God wants to use you to minister to somebody else. We say, I don't know why everybody's picking on me. I lost my job. I lost this and I lost it. Maybe God is using your circumstances to further the kingdom of God. It is possible that God can use even people like us. And see, one of the things that we see in, in, in this passage right here is that you don't see any whining. You don't see, well, you know what? We were ready to go this way and the Spirit forbade us, but we went anyways because you know what? Bless God, we're going to go in victory. You know what? They wouldn't have gone in victory. They wouldn't have gone in victory. They would have been powerless. They would have been powerless. But because they were led forth by the peace of God, God went with them everywhere they went. Amen? And sometimes we don't understand why the Holy Spirit won't allow us to do this and why the Holy Spirit won't allow us to do that. We say every time I try to go this way, the door shuts. God has a better plan in mind than you do. God has devised something. God has something in mind. And you know what? We don't know what it is sometimes because his ways are higher than our ways. He is God and we are his creatures. Amen. So one of the things that one of the things I want to show you in this passage is that it takes a heart of obedience to follow God. Sometimes, sometimes we've got to put our egos to the side and listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and follow him wherever he tells us to go. One of the things that you'll see right here is it says, it says that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And if, you, if, you, you know, if you've ever listened to a hard-headed preacher, right, they'll say, bless the Lord, we're going to preach wherever we want to. This is our town, right? Everywhere I set my foot, that's ours, right? Paul wasn't quoting Joshua right there. It would have been taking it out of context because the Holy Spirit said, don't go to Asia. Yeah, but over in Joshua, God told Joshua everywhere he went, everywhere the sole of his feet hit, it was his. Yeah, that's what he told Joshua. But he told Paul, don't you go to Asia. Why? God wasn't ready yet. They weren't ready yet. For whatever reason, it's beyond our knowing. He's God and we're not. God was doing something. Amen? It said later on that in this region where Paul was wanting to go, that's later where you see the seven churches of Asia in Revelation. Yeah, God had them on hold for a reason. They didn't know. They was just ready to preach to whosoever. But when God said, hold up, don't go right there. They were willing to stop. And I just want you to see as we get into this, are you willing to stop when God says stop? Are you willing to go where God says go? Or are you willing to stop when God says stop? You know the reason why most of us, you know why the reason most of us, this message is going over our head? Because we don't know what it's like to be led by God's peace. We just go and do what we want to do when we want to do it. We are so far removed from walking in intimacy with God. We're so far removed from just pressing through those warnings that the Holy Spirit gives us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, you need to stay up late and pray. You, you need to go share the gospel with your neighbor. Or you need to go and do this. Or you need to go and do that. But because we're so full of the world, we miss every single one of the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And because we are full of the world and we miss those promptings of the Spirit, messages like this will sometimes go way over us. One of the things I want you to know is that this, listen, this is essential for spiritual warfare. This is not just a message. It's part of the armor of God. Knowing where to go, if you remember I said this, knowing where to go and when to go are both vitally important. Both vitally important in warfare. 
You've got to know where to go. You've got to know where God's blessing and God's protection is. And you've got to know when to go. How many of y'all remember whenever the nation of Israel was led out of Egypt? They were led out of Egypt and God was with them. Do you remember God, what he did for them? He didn't give them a map. He didn't GPS them on where to go. He led them by his presence. Fire by night, cloud by day. When the cloud left, they left. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. When the fire was there, they stayed by the fire. When the fire moved, they moved by the fire. What does that signify? Going where God goes and stopping where God stops. It signifies, amen, knowing where to go and when to go. Both are vitally important. How many of y'all know that if Israel would have, would have just kept walking when the clouds stopped, they would have died right then? The enemy would have picked them off right then. The only reason Joshua, Caleb, and everybody's children entered into the promised land is because they followed the cloud and the fire. That's the only reason. And one of the things that we've got to understand in our battle, in our warfare, is that it is just as vital that me and you be led by God's peace, by God's presence. Amen? By God's peace and God's presence. Let me show you one other, one other passage real quick over in uh, chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27. I want to show you something in verse number 21. One of the things that I'll show you right here is that Paul, in this passage, this is whenever Paul was a prisoner. And, and, and as a prisoner, he still sought God. He didn't say, woe is me, like a lot of us. When, when life isn't going the way we want it to go, we go with the woe is me's. But even when he was a prisoner, right, he was not doing the woe is me. He was still seeking after God. And one of the things that, was, that they were going through is they were about to have a shipwreck. They kept, hitting bad, they kept hitting bad waters, bad storms, and it was not looking good. And they were doing everything they could do to kind of keep the boat going. Watch what happens in verse number 21. He says, um, after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given the all them that sail with thee. Verse 25, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I, listen, for I believe God, and that it shall be even as it was told me. See, one of the things that I want you to see in this passage is that Paul had not only peace with God because he was a Christian, but he had the peace of God. Because God had spoken to him and God had given him direction. Once God had given him direction, the peace of God came up on him. And even though they were about to crash, he knew they weren't going to die. Even though they were about to experience shipwreck, he knew God was with them. And this is the same peace that came over Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is the same peace that came over Daniel when they told Daniel, don't you pray to your God? And Daniel went up in his room and opened the window and he prayed like he always did. He didn't care one thing about what they said. Why? Because not only did he have peace with God, but he had the peace of God. If he would not have prayed, he would have exempted himself from the peace of God. He would have been doing something that God forbade, right? Because God told him to pray, so he prayed. Amen? See, compromise 
Compromise will take your, your peace away from you. You compromise, it'll take your peace away from you. Go to John chapter number 16 with me. John chapter number 16. Verse number 33, John 16 and verse 33. Jesus here is talking about the peace. One of the aspects of it that I want you to see and grab hold of. God's peace will hold us even in our tribulations. Jesus said in verse 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me, everybody say in Jesus, in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So you see right there that there is, there, there is two things at work. In life, we're going to have trials. But in Jesus, we can have peace. But how many of y'all know that not every Christian possesses the peace that Jesus gives? How many of y'all know that there's some Christians that walk around like Chicken Little? There's some Christians that walk around like Chicken Little. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. Everything's going to hell. It will one day because Jesus said he's going to burn it up. This world's going to be destroyed by fire one day. They talk about global warming. It's coming, believe me. It's coming. The world will be tried by fire is what Peter said. Now, one of the things that, one of the things that we see in this passage, though, is that there is tribulation to us, and there is peace that we might have with Jesus. So one of the things I want you to see is that not every Christian walks in the peace of God. Sometimes we walk in the cares of the world. Sometimes we get too wrapped up in our soap operas. We get too wrapped up in our family life. We get too wrapped up in sports or drama. We get too wrapped up in the cares of the world. We are not sober. We are allowing the world to invade our lives. And when we do that, we have exempted ourselves from this peace that Jesus affords us. And the peace that Jesus affords us is to be with us in the tribulation. See, whenever, whenever somebody's not walking in the peace of God and the tribulation comes to them, because look, it comes to all of us. But the believer who is not walking in the peace of God, when the tribulation comes to them, oh, why me? Why did this happen to me? Right? But the believer who is walking in the peace of God does not have the chicken little spirit, but has the boldness of a lion. Because this is what you know. This is what you know. God calms the storms. Though the storm may rage against our soul, Though the storm may rage against our soul, we know this fact, the devil's a liar. The Bible says he's been a liar from the very beginning. He lies, amen? And the Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, and no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name, amen? So no matter what the battle may be, the battle belongs to the Lord. No matter what comes against us, we know God's got us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? That's the peace that God affords the believer. But if we're constantly having our head in the world, worried about the stock market, worried about who's president, worried about who's in Congress, worried about our 401ks, worried about this, that, and the other, you will have no peace. It's just like if you go and you look up your symptoms on webmd.com or whatever it is, you'll think you're going to die tonight. Amen? Some of us probably need to think that. It'll light a fire under us so that we'll pursue God again. 
But if you allow the world to get in that place, it'll rob you from the peace and the joy that God has given you. You cannot walk hand in hand with the world and experience God's peace and victory in your life. You've got to choose one or the other. And in the battle, in the spiritual battle, amen, it is essential to walk with God, to have our feet shod with God's peace, that God's peace will go, amen? You won't be walking on your own, but God's peace will lead you and tell you where to go. God's peace will tell you when to stop, when to go, where to camp out, where to reside at. Sometimes God's peace will tell you to get up at two in the morning and pray for a loved one. Sometimes God's peace will tell you you need to fast. Sometimes God's peace will tell you you need to dust off your Bible and get your nose in it and get on your knees and get on your face and seek God's presence once again like you used to. Sometimes God's peace will lead us, amen? And sometimes, and sometimes God will say, you know what? You always do this on such and such days. You need to stop. Well, what? Everybody else does it. Don't question God. If God tells you to stop, stop. Amen? If God tells you to go, go. I showed you just two different things. One, whenever Paul, whenever God said, you are forbidden to go into Asia, he didn't go. Amen? I believe, I, I believe the Bible would have been written far differently if he would have pressed on anyways. God would have had to use somebody else to write the rest of the New Testament. I don't know. But I know God forbade him. Amen? And, and look, if, if what our soul craves is not the peace of God you'll do you'll take the easiest way out and you'll do whatever is convenient and the problem with the church today is that we do what is convenient far too much well I went to church today I'm going to go out tomorrow night everybody does the bare minimum everybody does the bare minimum um, a couple of things I want to show you, just uh, just kind of develop this a little bit further. Go with, uh, to Psalm 37. Let me show you something over here in Psalm 37. Okay, in Psalm 37, I want to want to take you. Um, let me see. I'm going to take you down to verse number 23. Psalm 27, verse number 23. Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, "The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way." Though he fall down, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. If you could probably get inside two verses, what it, what it is in spiritual warfare, to be led by God, it's that right there. It's whenever God is ordering your steps, amen, and you delight in it. You delight in it. This is whenever you have this relationship going on with God. Sometimes, you're, how many of y'all know over in the New Testament, this passage says this, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? Amen? Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Do you know how many of us grieve the Holy Spirit? Because we press on anyways. We, 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 we keep going when God gives us a stop sign. Amen? One of the things that we see is that we're not supposed to be unequally yoked like we talked about. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, okay, you're starting to become yoked up with something that's not right. Amen? And because we just keep on going, we will begin to grieve the Holy Spirit. And listen, if once we begin to grieve the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? 
we'll start getting callous in our heart. That's the beginning of a hard heart, by the way. Callousness in our heart. If, if, you, if, if you can go and do things that you know are evil and you know God hates and it don't bother you at all, you've got some callousness that needs to get broken off of. I heard a minister say one time, if it's not fit to come out of your mouth, it's not fit to go in your ears either. See, far too many of us, we think we can hold it, right? Well, it's just a bad movie, but I would never do that. If it's not fit for you to do it, you shouldn't watch it. I, I, I would you watch these horror movies, right? Well, I would never do anything evil like that. Look, God don't want you watching that stuff. If it's not fit to say, don't entertain it. If it's not fit to do, don't watch it. Amen? Good rule of thumb. But you know what the problem is? Too many of us have grieved the Holy Spirit time after time after time after time. We've grieved the Holy Spirit for years upon years, and now we are callous to the point where we no longer feel the Lord warning us. Amen? And you know what? You know what? When we do not walk in the peace of God, we will compensate for it anyways. We will compensate for it. Uh, somebody that doesn't have the peace of God will fake it. Somebody that doesn't have the peace of God will put on a smile anyways. This is what we always say. I always, you know, joke and say whenever I grew up, there was times we'd be having World War III in our van, right? And we would pull up to the church and my mom would say, you know, we're not getting out till everybody smiles. You know what? Nobody felt like smiling, but we didn't want to stay in the van the whole day. So everybody dried up the tears, let the anger go down a little bit, and everybody started putting on the fake smile. Amen? But not a one of us had the peace of God. And too many of us live in that kind of a place. Too many of us are going through the motions. Too many of us have missed the peace of God for years. We, we, have, we have become callous in that area, and we have grieved the Holy Spirit so much that we don't even remember what it's like to walk in God's peace. So it says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Number one, God will lead you. God will lead you. If God's not leading you, ask him. God will lead you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you don't know which way you should go and you don't know what to do, open up the Bible. God's not going to tell you anything that contradicts the Bible. Amen? Quickest way to know God's will for your life is pick up the Word of God and read. God's Word is still alive. And God will not tell you to do something that contradicts his word. Well, I feel like God's will for my life is to leave my wife and go get with this. That's not God leading you. Well, I feel like God's will for my life is to fish on Sunday mornings. No, that's not God's will for your life. God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, right? Well, I feel like God's will for my life. Come on now. What you feel and what God said, let's compare them. What you feel and what God said, let's compare them. Which one should we go with? Come on now. You tell me. Should we go with our feelings or should we go with God's word? Amen. We should go with what God says above our feelings. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you don't know which way the Lord is leading you, open up the book. Open up the book, seek his face, and ask the Lord to direct you. Amen? And the second part of that verse says, and he delights in his way. See, the part of it, this, this part is beautiful to me. This is when, this is when you say, oh, you know what, Lord, if you tell me to go, I'll go. You tell me to stop, I'll stop. And when God says stop, okay, God, I delight in obeying you. That's what God wants out of us. God doesn't want, well, yeah, what's wrong with watching a dirty movie? What's wrong with going over here to the casino? What's wrong with going and getting plastered at them? Well, you know what? 
If you delight in your way, you're not going to have the peace of God in your life. But if you delight in the way God leads you, this next part's for you. See, if you delight in the way that God leads you, it says even though you may fall, God will lift you up. That's the promise to the person who delights in God's leading. When we will delight in God's leading, then God will pick us up when we fall. That's when. That's when those promises, like the fourth man in the fire are there, right? It's not when you just go and do what, look, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were suffering because they were obeying God. That don't fit in a modern Christian book. But they were suffering because they obeyed God. And when they were in the fire, God was with them. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. See, there was a fourth man in the fire. Not because they went and did what... They didn't suffer because they were thieves. They didn't suffer affliction because they were doing what they want to do. And the problem with a lot of us are we get ourselves in some binds because we're not willing to listen to God. We're not willing to obey God. We're not willing to have God order our steps. We do not delight in his path. In fact, we resent the old paths. When we resent the old paths and we go the direction we want to go and do what we want to do, we will begin, right, to resent God's way. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for a hard time, for a hard time. If you will, just keep go a few uh, pages over to Proverbs 4. Let me show you something here in Proverbs 4. Then we're going to go back to the New Testament. Beginning in verse number 14, Proverbs chapter 4. It says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. How many of you know God is repetitively saying, don't go and do wicked things with wicked people. Amen? And yet, and yet we think we can do it and get away with it. Yet we think we can just kind of skirt by it. Amen? Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. And yet some people, do you know, do you know, do you know that it is said that half of the men in church stumble and have a hard time with pornography? I remember reading one time um, an, an, an article. It was this group, um, I forget their name, but they were having a conference. You know, everybody has conferences everywhere. Promise keepers, that's what it was. They were having a conference, and, and at their conference, at their conference, they had a hotel. They, they had the whole hotel checked out. And the next weekend, a minister came in to minister. And he said he started talking to the guy at the desk about the Lord, just sharing the gospel with him. And he said, I don't want what you're talking about. He said, what do you mean? He said, I know too much about you Christians. He said, what are you talking about? He said, last weekend we had the Promise Keepers Convention Conference. They were here, and he said, normally our sales for pornographic movies are about 20% of our rooms. Over half the rooms had them that week. He's men of God having a conference, Promise Keeper, being pure before God, and going back to their motel room and going the way of evil men. See, it's not just about words on Sunday morning. It's about the way that we actually live. 
It's about putting these things into practice. It's about truly allowing the Spirit of God to lead us in our day-to-day life, our choices. If you stumble in those areas, unplug them. Disconnect them. Do whatever you've got to do to get those things out of your life. Amen? Amen. Oh, one, of my, one of my best friends, when he was struggling in this area, he would not look on another girl. He, I mean, he would look straight up at the ceiling or straight down at the floor. But he was doing what he had to do. Amen? Just like Job said, he made a covenant with his eyes. Wasn't going to sin against God. And sometimes we've got to make hard choices to keep ourselves back from evil things. Amen? If you've got a group of friends at work that every time you get around them, the conversation starts going places, you know it shouldn't go. Amen? You know it shouldn't go. Listen, once again, if it shouldn't come out of your mouth, it shouldn't go in your ears either. It shouldn't go in your ears either. Because there's a, there's a reason why. You want to know why? You want to know why it shouldn't go in your ears? Because if it goes in your ears, it's eventually going to come out of your mouth. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You allow those things down into your heart. You allow violence. You allow evil and wickedness. You allow all that into your life. You cannot turn that switch on and off quick enough. There's going to be a day that you miss it. It's going to come out. You can't keep it bottled in. Amen? So he says, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. I mean, I love that. This is God just really trying to get attention, saying, don't do the evil stuff. Don't do it. Verse 16. For they sleep not except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. Do you know that there are some people out there in the world that the enemy uses? That they live to cause believers to stumble. Satan's ministers. They will not sleep unless they cause somebody to fall. Some people, do you know that's why some people just can't leave well enough alone? They got to pick and pick and pick and pick and pick until they get a rise out of you. Some people cannot sleep unless they cause you to fall. For they eat the bread of the wickedness and drink the wine of violence, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shined more and more under the perfect day. And see, whenever, you're, whenever God is leading you forward in his peace, it will go before you as a shining light. Amen? And move on down to verse uh, number 23. It says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's why I was saying, if you, if you watch things or you allow things in your ear, you're not keeping your heart with all diligence. You're just allowing whatsoever of the world to come in. And that's why many people do not walk in the peace of God. That's why the peace of God doesn't lead them forward. They don't know. They don't know when they should be praying because they don't have the peace of God anymore. They've, they've bypassed the presence of God and they've substituted the presence of God for a fake smile on Sunday mornings. And once you get into that place, you've lost that connection, you've lost that presence, and when God wants you to pray, you're so far disconnected, you don't know whether you should pray or stand on your head. You ever talk to some old-time old believers? Sometimes they'll say, Lord woke me up at four in the morning and told me to get on my knees and pray. You know what? If God told them to wake up at four in the morning and pray, you really don't have to question whether they did. Because if God's speaking to them in that way, God knows he's got somebody he can use. I, I have yet to hear somebody say, God woke me up at two in the morning and hear the other person say, well, did you do it? Did you get up and pray? I've yet to hear that. Why? Because you know as well as I do that if somebody's on that kind of a connection with God, they're already going to be, you know they're going to obey God, right? Because they're sensitive to God. 
they haven't become callous to God. They haven't allowed their heart to get filled with the world. And so they're on this place where they're in a relationship with God. Amen? And let me tell you something. That's what God wants from all of us. God wants that for all of us. You know why? God will lead you forth in his peace. This is one of the vital things in our spiritual warfare. This is one of the, the vital things in our spiritual warfare is to know when to get up and pray. When to fight and contend. When to walk away. Sometimes you need to leave well enough alone yourself. Sometimes you might need to go tell your neighbor one last time that God loves them. Sometimes you need to just keep your mouth shut. God will lead you when you've got that connection with him. But some of us are too full of the world, drunk on the world, and we're not sober. And so we no longer have that peace of God in operation in our lives a couple of things real quick we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4 and this is where we'll close at we'll begin in verse number 5 Philippians 4. It says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. Your moderation right here is talking about your suitability. Your moderation is talking about your suitability. In other words, in other words, you don't need excess of everything. It's things in control. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. That's your worries and your stress. I've just been stressed out lately. You hadn't been reading this verse. Maybe you've been reading it, but you hadn't been applying it. Either way, it's not at work in our lives. I love that verse over in Peter. It says, cast your cares on the Lord because he what? He cares. It's not like God doesn't care. You know, who, you know who tells you that God doesn't care about what's going on in your life? The one who we're at war with. It's, it goes back to war. The one who doesn't want you to experience the peace of God wants you to think God doesn't care. In order, to, in order for us to get where we're going, we've got to know God cares. If you know God cares, it will relieve a lot of stress, a lot of worry, and a lot of fear. God, you know, God's children shouldn't be in that kind of a place. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. You know what? You know where we get anxiety from, right? You know where we get anxiety from? Not trusting God. Fear. Fear is the sister of anxiety. Anxiety is not knowing what's going to happen. Trust is not knowing what's going to happen, but holding God's hand anyways. Which one would be a hallmark of your life? Would you be characterized as somebody who is full of anxiety? I don't know what's, what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen to my child. I don't know what's going to happen to my job. I don't know what's going to happen to this, that, or the other. Would you be characterized as somebody who's full of anxiety or full of trust? See, the person that trusts don't know either, but they hold on to God. They hold on to God. It's like that old song, you know, I'm holding on to God's unchanging hand. Don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know that whatever comes tomorrow, God will be there for me. Didn't Jesus say tomorrow's got enough issues, got enough worries? We need to deal with today. Anxiety will rob you from the joy that God has for you. Somebody needed to hear that again. Anxiety will rob you from the joy 
God has for you. If you're walking on eggshells about how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that, you've got some anxiety. It says, be careful for nothing. What about my job? Nothing. What about my kids? Nothing. What about my health? Nothing. What about how I'm going to pay for my house this month? Nothing. What about how I'm going to put food on the shelf? Nothing. Be careful for nothing. Hmm. That doesn't sit too well. That doesn't sit too well with some of us. Because sometimes we like to just figure things out in our head. Then we'll feel better about it once we figure it out in our head. If you could figure it all out in your head, you wouldn't need God. Be careful for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. It's essential. Prayer life. We don't have a prayer life. We're not going to be able to withstand anxiety. If we don't have prayer life, we're not going to be able to get into this realm where we trust. If we don't have a prayer life, we're going to walk around with no peace. We're going to walk around anxious all the time. You see, peace, peace will produce a peace right here. See, when you believe on Jesus, you get peace with God. That's right here. That's knowing God's at peace with me because I'm a believer. But when you begin to develop a prayer life and you obey God, it'll produce a peace down in here, down in here. That's the peace of God. And it it doesn't come before prayer. Notice the order. Notice the order. Don't be anxious. That means you say, okay, I'm going to give it to God. Then you start praying. Then you start making those requests made known to God. Lord, uh, you know, here's here's my life. I don't know if I'm going to live tomorrow or not, but I give my life into your hands. I don't know what's going to happen to my child. I don't know what's going to happen at my job. I don't know what's going to happen to this. I don't know what's going to happen to that. Once you get into that place of, being, of having anxiety, the devil has you in his playground. He'll get you being anxious about some political election in Wisconsin. It says, be careful for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Then, everybody say then. Yeah. Then you get into verse number seven. It's after, you, after you're willing to, listen, when it says be careful for nothing, how many of y'all know he's saying let it go? Let it go and give it to God. Let it go. How many of you know that you're not going to get to verse 7 until you're willing to let it go and give it to God? Once you're willing to let it go and give it to God, then you can advance to verse 7. And that's where it says, and the peace of God. And that's what we've been talking about. See, you have peace with God simply by being a Christian. But it doesn't mean you have the peace of God. That only comes when you've released the care to God. And if you'll do that, God will lead you. God will lead you. You will be victorious. You'll have, you'll have on some of the armor of God that most people miss. Most people will, will have other aspects of that armor of God, but they'll have no peace because they're not willing to let go and give things to God. It says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, the peace of God defies our understanding. This is why somebody can have the peace of God and go through things you don't think you could ever make it through. And you look at them and you say, how in the world did you get through that? And that little old Christian says, I just trusted God. I'm just holding on to Jesus. Amen? 
I'm just holding on day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour. I'm just releasing my cares. I'm releasing my fear. I'm releasing my worry. I'm releasing my anxiety. I'm releasing all of it minute by minute. And I'm just holding on to Jesus' hand, and he's getting me through. How many of y'all know that's the testimony of somebody that has the peace of God? And somebody that has the peace of God is somebody that God is going to lead forward. They're going to hear God say, stop. They're going to hear God say, go. They're going to hear God say, turn this way and turn that way. Amen? Amen. Even in troublous times, God is with the believer. Even in troublous times, God is with the believer. He doesn't leave us. But some of us don't know he's with us. That's when we've missed the peace of God. Some of us don't know he's with us in the fire. Some of us don't know he's with us in the storm. Some of us feel like when the storm comes, where'd God go? God hadn't gone nowhere. It's the wiles of the devil telling you he's gone. It's just why, this is why the peace of God is a vital, a vital part of the armor of God, peace of God. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to hear your word, and we pray, Father, that you would touch our hearts to receive your word. Father, we pray. We pray, Father, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit right now, that you would minister this message sown into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would touch us tonight, that you would remind us that our life is in your hands. Remind us tonight, Father, that our future is in your hands. Remind us tonight, God, that we belong to you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that if you are for us, none can be against us. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, those of us in here who have been anxious, those of us in here who have battled anxiety, those of us in here who have been walking and not hearing you. Maybe we've been callous. Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts afresh tonight, that anxiety would leave in Jesus' name, that fear would leave in Jesus' name, that a callous heart, Lord, would receive the salve of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would stir our hearts to trust you, to let go of the cares of the world and to begin to walk in the sobriety that you call every Christian to walk in. And, Lord, we pray. We pray tonight, God, that we would continue walking in that sobriety and in that peace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody says. Amen, amen, amen.